This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. The title of this message is Christian Service. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in a church building. It doesn't mean you have to be an ordained pastor. You can be simply a Christian missionary. But God would have you serve Him all the days of your life. Now that's not negative, it's positive. The Bible teaches if we serve God by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, there's going to be rewards for us in heaven. But if we choose not, and we are children of God, we don't lose our salvation, but we do lose reward in heaven. So we want to talk about this morning Christian service. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn, if you will, to Psalm 37, 5. Listen to what the psalmist says here. He says, commit your way, notice that word, commit and way, to the Lord, trust also in Him, and this is what the Bible says, He will do it. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will do it. Many years ago, I found an old book in an antique store when I was in seminary. And the title of the book was My Other Self. And it was written by a man, apparently, who had really been influenced by a Christian mystic, we call them, Thomas Akempis. He would write in such a way as if he was writing like, this is God speaking to you. And this guy was heavily influenced by him. And I want to read something to you that really inspired me and encouraged me as I read this book. Again, it's just like God's talking to you. That's how it's written. Unite your will with mine in little things, constantly, all day long, saying over and over, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do this faithfully in small matters, and you will find it easy to unite your will with mine in big things. For whosoever is loyal in little matters will be also loyal in larger ones. Thus you will give me your all, which is what I desire. Your life, your prayers, your work, your play, your reading, your study, your walking, your thinking, your eating, and even your sleeping. At the base of all will be the simple, pure intention of living according to my plan for your life. My friend, that is simply the mindset of walking, talking, listening to God moment by moment and day by day. My friend, if you're here today and you say, I need to change the way I think, because how I think determines what I do, determines how I feel. I want to change that. Begin to walk, listening, and saying yes to the Holy Spirit within you, and your mind will change. That will change your will, and that'll change your feelings. It's a choice that we all have to make. So, Christian service takes on a whole new meaning for us when we think about Psalm 37.5. Notice again that word way. The way, when he says, watch your way, when he says, 
commit your way. That word way represents man's entire life ordered by God. So right now, you may not like the way your way has gone, and you could change that, but it's only your choice. Nobody can do it for you. But your way here in these couple of verses is talking about your whole life. And this is the beauty, and this is the love of God. Even if you've messed up portions of your life, any single moment of any single day, you could say, enough is enough. I change my way. I want to walk God's way. But you have to do this in the most simple things as you walk, as you talk, as you look, as you listen, as you sit down to eat, as you relate to other people, while you're thinking. You're turning your thoughts to God moment by moment, living in unbroken communion. And as you do, your way, God's life plan for you begins to open up and unfold in front of you. So if you're 99 years of age and you cannot stand the 98 years you've lived so far, you can change it and maybe die in 15 months. But guess what? Those 15 months will be the best 15 months you ever lived your life at all. So... Way represent man's entire life ordered by God. When we practice his presence, moment by moment, we will find ourselves thinking God's thoughts after him. It's what the Bible calls having the mind of Christ. It affects even your speaking. Now, when we're motivated by ourselves, I'm going to have my way. You can't say that to me. I'm going to do what I want to do. When we're motivated that way, we stop the work of God. When we're motivated by self, there's jealousy. There's selfishness. Earthly concerns and desires that are not good for you. Unspiritual thoughts and ideas. Disorder and evil. That's when we're walking according to me, self. But when we're walking and living and moving, and having our being in Christ Jesus, when we're motivated by God, there is mercy. There is love for other people. There's peace. There's courtesy. There's yielding to others. There's sincerity and straightforwardness. There is a quiet gentleness. There is a goodness. What this is, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That's why Paul often said, not I, but Christ living in and through you. So it's your choice. I can walk, talk, and listen being controlled by this world system, or I can choose to walk, talk, and listen to God moment by moment and day by day. So here's the question. When you walk away from people after having talked with them, have they been with Jesus or just you? When you've carried on a conversation with someone at length, when they finally walk away, Have they been talking with Jesus or just you? Not only is that word way, but there's another word commit in that passage. You say, what is commit? Commit is a rolling of one's life upon the Lord. It's this. I can't, Lord. You never said I could, but you always said you would if I would let go and let you have all there is of me. That is committing your way to the Lord. So we can say we are to roll our life upon God's way for us instead of keep living my own way. So if you're taking notes, number one, 
we must commit our sins to the Lord. I know of no one who's never committed a sin. Everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one's better than anyone else. This is all human tradition that we get fouled up on. We must commit our sins to the Lord. We are to mentally roll our sins back on the cross. That's where Jesus died for our sins, on the cross. He died one time for all sins. That means even sins that you'll commit in the future, Jesus Christ died for them. That doesn't give us a license to sin. It should motivate us to live a holy life. We are to emotionally roll our guilty feelings back on the cross. You see, when we walk around feeling guilty all the time because we don't know that our sins are forgiven, it just paralyzes our Christian life. Guilty feelings make you hold back in Christian service. So in other words, I can't serve God. I can't give someone a free gospel tract because I feel so guilty about my own life. My friend, listen, you have to roll that back onto the cross where it belongs. He died for you, my friend. He died as you. There was a man named F.B. Meyer. He lived from 1847 to 1929, a long time ago. He was one of the favorite speakers at what's called the English Keswick. It's the Lake District in England. I hope to go there one day. They would meet under a large tent that would seat 5,000 people, and they would drink deeply from what a lot of people call the deeper life. The teaching of the believer's position in Christ in the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. He was the one who said this, which became very uh, popular in his day. He said this about himself. He says, I know what is needed in my Christian experience, and that is surrender. But I don't want to. So I prayed to the Lord and I told him that I was unwilling to surrender, but I was willing for him to make me willing. He brought me to the end of self and I duly surrendered. It was there and then he showed me that the life he had given to me was like a writing pen in his hand. As I lived surrendered, he would write the story of my life, the perfect story. If I did not surrender, I would write my own story and always wonder what went wrong with my life. F.B. Meyer said this, time is not considered in forgiveness. He said this, there is not a moment's interval between the humble and sad telling of the story of sin and God's forgiveness. He said this, you are forgiven in the thoughts of God. My friend, listen. God loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. Jesus Christ only died one time, and he died for all sins, past, present, and future. My friend, you ought to get on your face and say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. My friend, listen, not only are your sins forgiven, but the guilty feelings that you have were also knelt to the cross with Christ. Now, as you live your day by day life, Sometimes when you sin and you know God is telling you don't do that and you do it anyway, you will be under conviction by the Holy Spirit. But as far as your sin and guilt, my friend, they were nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. First John 1 John 1.9 clearly tells us this. This is talking about children of God. If you're here today and you're without Christ, what I'm saying now cannot be for you until you believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm saying now cannot be for you. But if you have believed 
in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross for you. My friend, this is speaking to you. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll your sins and guilts back on the cross where they belong. First John 1 John 1.9, listen to this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friend, that is your standing in Christ. Satan does not want you to know that. So, number one, we must commit our sins to the Lord. And number two, we must commit ourselves to the Lord. What F.B. Meyer was talking about, those quotes that I read, it was basically coming to the point in your life, it is no longer I, but it's Christ. F.B. Meyer said, I'm not willing to surrender my life to you, Lord, but I am willing for you to make me willing. God loves you, but listen to me. God is not surprised by anything you think or do. He knows everything. He knew exactly what all of us would do with all of our lives before He ever created the heavens and the earth. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He sent His Son to die knowing what we would do with our lives. He died for you anyway. That's grace, my friend. That's grace. God's not against you. You may be against you, but God's not against you. God wants you to simply say, I'm at the end of myself. I am tired of the way things are. I'm going to stop blaming others. I'm going to choose to take a deep breath and say, from here forward, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to keep on doing it until your way for me opens up in front of me. The way that you've been planning for me, even when I was a baby, will begin to happen. But it is your choice, Lord. I'm willing for you to make me willing. And a lot of what you think God's against you, you think he's beating me up? He's not. He's loving you and holding you until you come to the end of yourself and turn to the one who created you and say, it's no longer I, it's simply Christ. I surrender all. I've made a mess. I'm going to move forward as I abide in you. So we must commit ourselves to the Lord. The Apostle Paul clearly says this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. What did he say here? Paul said this, it's no longer I who live, Christ lives in me. Listen, Satan does not want you to hear what I'm saying. He's distracting some of you right now. Which would you rather have inside of you? A substance that controls you that was developed by human beings? Or would you rather be controlled by the Holy Spirit who is God? the one who created you to begin with. Satan does not want you to hear those words. Satan wants you to keep going to a substance developed by man so he can hold you in a vice until you physically die. And then the Bible says, absent from the body, present in hell or heaven. Don't let Satan deceive you, my friend. Turn. It's no longer I, but Christ. It'll take you about 30 days, and you'll begin to think this way. You'll begin to act this way, and you'll begin to feel this way, and you'll say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. There was a woman who lived back 
in the late 1800s. Her name was Frances Ridley Havergill. I want to read about her life. She didn't live a long life, but she was very spiritually mature. She made wise decisions. She lived a surrendered life. She had many temptations, but she did not give in. So I want to read just a little bit about her. Studying in England and Germany, Miss Havergill became a good Hebrew and Greek scholar and knew several modern languages. She became also a brilliant singer and piano player, and a glittering career in society was opened before her, rich and famous. But she considered all her talents to be only loans from the Lord to be used in His service. She would not even sing except sacred music. And for the purpose of winning souls to Christ, she lavished her strength upon work for the Master, teaching in Sunday schools, writing letters, writing many leaflets and books, conducting religious meetings, and making public addresses. She was often sick, and her life was short, but she accomplished a wonderful amount of noble work. Miss Havergill's beautiful consecration hymn was written on February the 4th, 1874, and here it is. Listen. She's basically writing a song to God. It's a prayer, and this is what she says. I would encourage you to say this yourself. She said this, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be sweet and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold? Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. There's only one way that woman could have written that song. She went through some tough times, but she kept saying no to herself and yes to God. I want to encourage you, in this subject of Christian service, continue to say, not I, but Christ, and see what God will do with you because you're committing your life to Him And he's opening up his way, not your way, to you. It's the most beautiful thing, and it's the way God's children should live. So, I read a little further about her life. At the close of 1873, Miss Havergill was only 37 years of age. She came to long for a deeper knowledge of God. On Sunday, December the 2nd of that year, she was brought to see as by a flash of light that she could not have the full blessedness of a Christian without a full surrender to Christ. On the 1st of February, 1874, 
Miss Havergill was visiting in a home where there were ten persons, some of them not converted, some of them Christians, but not very happy ones. A great longing seized upon Miss Havergill that all of these might, before she left, come to know her Savior as joyfully as she had just come to know Him. That prayer was granted, and before she left the house, on the last night of her stay, February 4th, she was too happy to sleep and spent the whole night writing this hymn, closing with the triumphant line, Ever, only, all for thee. So this gifted and truly consecrated woman died in Wales on June the 3rd, 1879, at the age of 43. She was buried at Astley. On her tombstone is engraved as she herself wished. Her favorite text, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sin. What a great epitaph to go on a tombstone. He died one time for all. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I choose to walk away from this world system controlled by Satan and his demons. And I choose to walk under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. Third and last thing is this. We must commit our service to the Lord. That means whatever you do for the Lord needs to be done by the Lord in and through you. True Christian service is not work for God, but rather the work of God. We have to get this right. Remember, I say it often. We're the glove. He's the hand. We shouldn't get it backwards. Work for God comes from us. Work of God comes from God. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 10. Jesus said this, Jesus, who is God. Jesus, before he died on the cross, he said these words. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. You know what the Apostle Paul says about me and you? He says we're in Christ. Christ is in us. As we do like F.B. Meyer and as Francis Havergill did. Complete surrender to the control of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're like what C.S. Lewis called little Christ. I'm going to read what Jesus said again, but put yourself in this. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. My friend, listen. We're not God and we'll never be God. But according to Scripture and according to what he said here, we're in God and God is in us. My friend, listen, that is as close as you can be to being divine. But we're not divine. We are in divine and divine is in us. But we have to surrender our human will to his control. It's either surrender to the Holy Spirit or you will surrender to something one or the other will control you. What do you choose to control you? Or who do you choose 
to control you. My friend, listen, it is simply your choice. No one, no one can make this choice for you. It needs to be, it's no longer I, but it's Christ. So here's the question. Are you a be-oriented Christian or are you a do-oriented Christian? You say, what do you mean? Are you trying hard to serve God in your own strength? He doesn't want you to do this. He wants you to simply be who you already are in Christ. It's not your doing. It's simply being. I'm not trying to be accepted by God. I already am because he's already died for me. And I believed and I've received him. I can't do anything to make myself more righteous than I already am in Christ. There's only one thing God's asking of you and me equally. Let go. Let me have all there is of you. I will do the rest as you abide in me. Jesus said, he said, I do not say these things from my own initiative. Well, where is the initiative coming from? He said it was coming from the Father. He said, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Listen, you are in Christ and Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. So what you do and what you say should be him doing this through you. Oil in the lamp, gas in the car, Christ in the Christian. Satan does not want you to hear these words that I'm saying. He wants to keep you paralyzed and finally you'll die either without Christ or without any reward except heaven. Praise the Lord for that. But in Christian service, my friend, you want it to be Christ living, moving, having his being in me. A be-oriented Christian. Listen to this. If you are a be-oriented Christian, that means I'm going to simply deny myself and I'm just going to be who I am in Christ. Listen to this. A be-oriented Christian serves God because he loves him and knows that he is now and forever accepted by God and blessed with every spiritual blessing. He does not serve trying to get accepted, trying to be loved. That's not his motive for serving. I'm serving God because I love you and that's it. A do-oriented Christian is different than that. A do-oriented Christian serves God hoping God will continue to love him and continue to accept him. He does not know he is loved and accepted eternally without works. He knows he is saved by grace, but does not know he is also accepted by that same grace. And so therefore, many Christians all over this city are very unhappy because they have never learned and many teachers have never shared with them. It's no longer you, but it's Christ. Surrender and let him control you. Many Christians are in many Bible studies, and I'm not against Bible studies, but sometimes people get so focused on learning the Bible, they never get around to simply being who they are in Christ, and they regret it on their deathbed. They think all I've done is sit and listen to the rightly divided Word of God Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, but I've never really done anything with it. I know some people that are coming to that realization. And my prayer for them is they will begin to, after Sunday, go out into the week and be who they are in Christ, win people to Christ, disciple them, teach them how to disciple and train others. That's my prayer for them. But many people are like the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. 
though their theology, their doctrine is correct, it ends when they walk out of church. Their mind is full, but their life shows so very little of it. It's very sad, and it's happening all over the world, really, with God's children. There was a man named Hudson Taylor. Some people called him Saintly Hudson Taylor. You say, why do they call him Saintly? Well, the Bible teaches that if you're a child of God, you are a saint. But the question is this, in your daily living, are you saintly? That's the question. People said, Hudson Taylor, you could see Christ in him wherever he went. So the saintly Hudson Taylor once confessed, I once thought Christian service was working for Christ. Then I said it was Christ working with me, but now I have discovered that it is Christ working in me. So I'll go back to our original text in Psalm 37, 5. Notice again what it says. Commit your way. Remember, way is your life, your everyday living life. That is your way. You want it to be God's way, not your way. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. And this is the beautiful part. And He will do it. Not you will do it. He will do it in and through you as you abide in Him moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. You're becoming conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that is God's goal for you and for me. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.